Ninja Group's Chep Network will have a new boss in Lee Leggett, while one of its ex-staff launches a new agency. Plus, HBO and Foxtel sign an extension to its lucrative content deal. All that today before an interview with Essence Mediacom's APAC CEO, Rupert McPetrie, and Chief Strategy Officer, Sophie Price. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Callum Jaspin, and joining me today to chat about all of that is Editorial Director, Damien Francis. Hey, Damien. Jasper, Jasper. How are you, mate? This will never get old. God, this name is being more and more butchered more by the way. More and more butchered. We need a list. And then we are also welcoming journalist and producer, Kalila Welch. Hey, K-Dog. Hey, Cal. Nice to see you up in Sydney in the office by yourself. Yeah, well, make it all the way up to the office and neither of you can be asked coming in to join Take me. the hint. How lovely. Take the hint. <laughs> I'm blind to that stuff. But one thing we should mention before we get into the news, the biggest piece of news this week was that Mumbrella has launched a new podcast, The Evening Mumbo. Damo, we're two episodes in. It's fresh. Give me your unbiased plug and take on that it's podcast. Fresh, so it's fresh, it's exciting, it's shiny. It's five minutes of the news from the day that you need to know. That's it. That's all you need to know. Just go and subscribe and like and do whatever you do with podcasts. Is that a good enough plug? One of the... Worst <laughs> plugs I think I've ever heard. This is why I'm not in advertising. Podcast, it, is, it is five minutes. It comes out on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. You can find on Apple Podcasts or Spotify at The Evening Mumbo. So search that up, and we might be very kind and give you one of those episodes in this feed as a taster. Now that we've got the housekeeping out of the way, let's get into our first topic. Clemenger Group has this week quelled rumours of who might be next in line for its top job at Chep Network, naming Wonderman Thompson's Lee Leggett as the agency's new CEO, following the departure of Justin Hind earlier this month. Leggett will officially join Chep in April when Hind wraps up, and she'll be leaving the WPP creative agency after three years joining initially as Australian CEO and then being promoted into an APAC Chief Growth Officer role. I feel like we have covered Clemenger Group a lot recently uh, after kicking things off this year in the podcast with Heinz Departure. Demo, we also mentioned it in the evening, Mumbo, but it's a fascinating appointment, isn't it? Chris Howitson, Justin Hyde, now Lee Leggett. Are they all from the same CEO mold, do you think? Well, I mean, they're definitely all... CEOs of agencies. I mean, it's a it is a fascinating. Well, that's first part. That's the first part ticked off. That's it. Uh, Check. Have I answered the question now? It's a fascinating appointment. I'm not entirely sure too many people expected it. We've talked about it uh, a fair bit at the start of this year, like you said and alluded to. It's been one of the major talking points uh, this year. Who would get that role? Probably one of the uh, most high profile in the industry, being that that Chep Network, as it's now known has so many good scores on the board since the Howitson days into the Hind days. Now we're into the, the Leggett era. But when you look at it, it's probably a, a sensible hire. Lee's history has included a number of CEO uh, roles. So she's certainly experienced in, in that regard. She's uh, got some good, uh, some good scores on the board herself, obviously most recently at Wonderman Thompson she started there as CEO before being moved uh, to an APAC role. 
So I think it's uh, even more important now with the fact that Cleminger Melbourne doesn't uh, exist anymore in, in name. It's obviously Cleminger uh, Australia as a whole, Cleminger BBDO. But I guess the, the strength of, of that shop, the Melbourne in particular, and then when you look at Sydney as well, that sort of dropped off uh, at once Nick Garrett uh, left the building. So Chep's strength is even more important now. So a lot of pressure on Lee to, to continue that moving forward. And you mentioned Cleminger BBDO Australia there as well, Damo, with Danny Bassel now with her feet under the under the desk there. Angela Watson also running Colenso BBDO over in New Zealand. With Leggett's appointment, um, Cleminger noted that all three of those have now been appointed to Cleminger Group's board, which is, I guess, a pretty important factor to have three of these, you know, market-leading agencies as they have been for the last decade or so all now with females running the shop there which has not potentially been as much of a factor in that in that group for some time I guess with the aside of Gail Weil who had a short stint as BBDO Melbourne's boss but now Damo do you think that with I guess that leadership in place a lot of movement in, a lot of movement out. Are, are Cleminger as a group sort of set up to really get back to, you know, having those three agencies, as I said, those market-leading agencies once again? They've got the key people in place, that's for sure. Uh, time will tell. I hate to say that cliche, but you've got to give this all time to, to settle in now because even with people as experienced as, as those that you've mentioned – uh, people who have led agencies uh, before who know what they're doing, know where they want to take it, that that takes months to settle in. So we'll probably start to see the, uh, I guess, the the results uh, towards mid-year, perhaps to, towards the end of the year as well. So we've probably got to give this one a little bit of time. But to your point earlier, I think it's great to see a shifting of uh, the, the sands within the board of the, the Clemenger Group uh, as well. You probably could have been forgiven for potentially a few years ago calling it stale. It's certainly not now. So let's um, you know, let's see how that shifts uh, the the agencies within the group and how they're thought of. Yeah, and you know, we mentioned those three incoming appointments to the the board. You've also had four outgoing uh, men in the last year. Those being Jonathan Isaacs, a uh, group stalwart. Jim Goal, who was the Melbourne Clems boss, Justin Hind, of course, and James Neal, who was 20 years at Traffic, um, Cleminger Group Agency. Hind setting up his own agency, but this morning we had news as well that Neal is setting up his own shop called Activation Union. It's, as you could probably guess, an activation-led agency. Damo, can, can you give us a bit of context around Neil and what we might expect here from um, from that new agency? Yeah, so like you said, no surprises as to what Activation Union is all about. It's, a, it's an interesting one, but Neil was uh, with Cleminger Group in the, the traffic business for uh, more than 20 years and set that one up. But probably good to uh, explain that traffic with a K as opposed to traffic with a C, which is another agency uh, led by Andrew Begg is a brand experience agency, so very different agencies. Uh, but Traffic with a K, activation uh, agency essentially within Clem's group found in 2001. So Neil's doing a similar thing. That's where his experience lies. Uh, that's where he's comfortable uh, in. Interesting that he left uh, around about a year uh, from moving on from the, the Clem's group and, and doing this now. So he's had a fair bit of time to, to think about it, to, to set it up and 
figure out what, what the best business model is. And I think, look, if you look at the stats that we got, PwC suggesting that, uh, you know, in-person opportunities are going to be bigger uh, this year and into 2024 as well. Uh, as people sort of re-emerge from COVID, this could be a pretty interesting uh, move from Neil. Moving on, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Foxtel extending its lucrative deal with HBO. While it was signalled by the Sydney Morning Herald earlier this week, it's now official that Warner Discovery and Foxtel have extended its partnership through till 2025. The deal sees the media group secure exclusive rights to HBO content, delaying any potential impacts posed by HBO's rumoured plans to launch its own subscription service in Australia. The current lineup and future seasons of HBO, some you might know, include House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, which is currently on right now, Succession soon to launch, and White Lotus, as well as returning seasons of Euphoria, True Detective, Night Country, Winning Time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty and Perry Mason. Kalila, just how vital was this for Foxtel to keep that HBO deal most importantly? I'm sure the executives over at Foxtel are feeling very glad they've been able to secure this deal, obviously. There's been a lot of chatter, um, as you mentioned lately, about um, the potential of HBO launching their own local offering, which would have seen uh, Foxtel lose some of those titles that are some of its biggest rating titles we saw last year in um, August, the launch of House of the Dragon premiered to 1.235 million viewers uh, in the first week of its release across both Binge and Foxtel, which was, was pretty huge numbers given that the entire subscriptions at Binge now sit at 1.35 million paid subscribers. So obviously those were across Foxtel now as well, but we're seeing, you know, a fairly kind of equal number across there. So obviously it's contributing to a lot of its subscriptions and a lot of its numbers overall. And again, this is even more important given the drops in subscriptions over at KO over the last couple of quarters, which I'm sure the group is expecting will flip the other way when it um, comes into the winter seasons of sport. Yeah, it's it's important that you you note that there, Kalila, because since KO's launch, we have seen subscriber numbers really boost over those two winter quarters with, of course, the AFL and the NRL. And I guess maybe the, the appeal of something like the cricket isn't, isn't as much for a paying subscriber at that quite high price point at, at KO when you can get a, a fairly similar product on free-to-air TV. But I guess the, the thing with this deal is what it does is it secures year-round content pretty much for Binge, keeping people subscribing as, you know, that, that platform has only had one quarter of decline since its launch just over three years ago. So I, I guess maybe they see KO as more of a sort of turn the tap on, turn the tap off model for subscribers, whereas Binge, you're hoping to keep them year round. Yeah, and I, and I think, um, as we mentioned as well, with some of those tentpole titles just after the launch of House of the Dragon last year, they've gone up quite significantly in their subscriptions from nine to 8,000 in December 2021 to 1.375 5 million in December last year, which is quite significant. I think about 30% off the top of my head. Um, so continuing that growth with, with, with binge kind of driving, as you say, the consistent figures for Foxtel will be really, really important. 
Damo, I think you're one of the only people in Australia with a Foxtel set-top box still. Is that uh, right? Look, I love my Foxtel set-top box. I like having a remote control. I, I like uh, seeing little LED lights flash out, out at me. What's your problem with that? No, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Damo, you know you can use a remote control with a smart TV as well. Kalila, don't confuse me with your young jargon. Also, sorry, K-Dog, as soon as... Damo gets that controller in his hand. It's no longer a smart TV. Um, (laughs) This also comes at a time where Binge is launching ads at the end of this month as well. It announced recently that those will be added to its basic tier, which is the cheapest option. They won't be offering a reduced specific ad option or a free option. Um, But with this, they're also upgrading that um, to high definition and ads will be capped at one per hour. Foxtel said that brands had already booked out the 21 ad package it's offering, unlike the launch of Netflix, which, as you might have seen in the media, has not gone as well as they were hoping. Damo, we mentioned that sort of at the at the top there. Is there still a threat of Warner Discovery looking to launch HBO Max here, its own sort of streaming service, though? Is there sort of a, a timeline of that, or what? and what would happen to Binge's deal if that went ahead? I know you like when I ask you I love when you ask me one. four questions in one. So let's uh, go to the start of that. Uh, whether you call it a threat or not, now within the context of what we've heard recently, is probably the biggest question. There is still a possibility, uh, for sure, and the rumours uh, are still kind of around maybe late 2024. Um, but the thing is, if you listen to the language that was being used uh, in the announcement, it was very much a, a bit of a love fest. James Gibbons, who is the, the Warner Brothers Discovery's Western Pacific boss, uh, said in a statement that uh, the deal provides optionality for future collaboration, uh, including for our future streaming services. CEO of uh, Foxtel, Patrick Delaney, was talking uh, a lot about uh, the the collaboration opportunities and partnerships uh, as well. So yeah, there is definitely a, a potential that HBO Max, uh, the, the streaming platform, could be launched uh, in Asia Pacific, maybe specifically uh, Australia. It, it already is in the US, Latin America. Uh, it's in, in parts of Europe uh, as well. But it seems like there's a lot of talk and discussion at the moment about uh, tie-in and collaboration. Importantly as well, this deal is a multi-year deal. So they're looking at it uh, from, or to the public at least, they're looking at it at a very long-term plan. You got me all confused there when you started saying Asia-specific, Asia Asia-Pacific. I, I couldn't keep up. Coming up after the break, uh, you're going to hear from Essence Mediacom's Asia-Pacific, Asia-specific CEO, Rupert McPetrie, and National Chief Strategy Officer, Sophie Price, where they join the podcast to discuss the newly merged agency and how it's going to market here. Chief Strategy Officer at Essence Mediacom ANZ, Sophie Price and APAC CEO, Rupert McPetrie. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Callum. Great to be here. Thanks, Callum. Great, great to join you today. Great to have you both with us today. So we are a few weeks into the official launch of the new combined agency, uh, Group M's biggest in market now, which launched on the 31st of January. Um, so I guess a good starting point would be, Rupert, in, in your opinion, why is Essence Mediacom more powerful together for Group M than Essence and Mediacom? Look, uh, the, the way to talk about 
our new agency, Essence MediaCom, is really to reflect, I guess, on, on, on why we merged in the first place. I think when we're out talking to clients, when we're out talking to customers uh, in Australia, across the region, in fact, globally, I think increasingly we're facing a, a raft of really common, very big questions that you know marketers, CMOs and CEOs are asking around why why is the effectiveness of my advertising declining in the in the in the in the media marketing world how do i get the the best out of you know my ad dollars across content and media how do i and this i think is really critical these days how do i get that right balance across brand and performance and commerce and ultimately you know given the the headwinds that exist in many parts of the world at the moment how, how much should I be investing in my advertising and marketing efforts? So we got these big questions from so many clients. And I think, you know, why, why we're so passionate about the opportunity that Essence MediaCom has in, in, in market and around the region and the world is by bringing the two businesses together where we're able, we're better able to answer those really big, fundamental, almost industry-wide questions. Essence with that, unbelievable i'd say market leading track record around performance and data and analytics the technology that sits behind that that's really embedded in their dna is then added to a more classical scaled operation that mediacom has globally with all that rigor around sort of multi-channel audience planning go to market on behalf of clients. So I think when you look at the, the, the raw ingredients, if you like, from both Essence and MediaCom, that they're absolutely you know, differentiated, I guess, as we bring them together to create our new agency, which is there to solve for those really big and fundamental questions. I think underpinning that is you know, the, the range and the breadth of talent that we now have uh, across that you know, range of client questions that we're solving for gives us quite a unique position in every market. And Sophie, I mean, obviously that was quite a, an in-depth answer there from Rupert, but then in terms of in a local market, you know, the, these two businesses, obviously very different businesses in every, I, I don't know the number on, on hand, how many markets both agencies were in previously. But if, if we look at here, what, do you think are, are the main challenges of the actual nuts and bolts of integration and actually bringing these two agencies together? Well, as Rupert's just said, you know, the, the bringing together of the, the, the two capabilities is a, is a no-brainer, really. Um, so at a surface level, obviously, it makes perfect sense. You know, when you're bringing two businesses together, it obviously does come with some challenges. But the, the most important thing that we've done, I think, globally and locally, to minimise some of those is to not treat Essence Mediacom like a merger. In fact, we always laugh that the merger word has actually been kind of banned, if you like. Rather, we've kind of worked together to build a new agency, almost like a startup, if you like, with lots of entrepreneurial spirit. And together, we have worked through the answers around you know, it's not about taking, you know, what did Mediacom have? What did Essence have in terms of a process? What can we kind of hobble together? It's really starting from scratch. What do our clients' businesses need in this new world? 
what therefore is the process that we need to to build together what are the products we need to build the capabilities and that's not just top down actually we're all called i don't know if you know, you've heard about this but we're all called founders a bit like in a startup every employee is a founder and those founders have kind of worked together i think in in a remarkably democratic way not just top down but it's very been quite consultative really in terms of how we all contribute to what this new agency looks like and, and, and how we can all work together to make it a future success. So I think had it been that classic merger, I think it would have come with a lot more challenges, but we really are building this from, from the ground up. I guess the, the difference with the, a startup is you've got 550 employees locally here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is great, right? And, and amazing clients. <laughs> I mean, you're obviously you're coming from, and we spoke with um with Pat and with Amy Buchanan a few weeks ago about this. The new agency brings together a really solid mix of those kind of more traditional essence talent. You've got the media com talent, which you're both from that side. Then you've got an array of uh, of, of new talent coming in. How, how do you make sure that? those three aspects are sort of culturally aligned on this agency going forward. I might take that one to you, Rupert. Sure. Look, I think, you know, it's been something we've been really conscious of, you know, I'll talk from the Asia Pacific perspective where, you know, the combined operations, we've now got 2,500 essentials, you know, the going in point for that was roughly, uh, you know, 1,800 from the former Mediacom side. 700 roughly from the uh, from the, the former essence side and obviously you know the entry points are, are different because the the businesses have, have have been born in different situations and have evolved in different situations i, I like to think we've learned lessons from other mergers uh, to sophie's point earlier you know what what we've not done is just mandate things top down the vision of course is consistent and what we're trying to achieve for clients their growth is, is is consistent but we do genuinely and I, you know really seriously see this as something that yeah, it's not my company right it's not sophie's company it's it's our people's company and the culture that we're building is is built by all of us um you know one of the reasons why we announced the merger in april 2022 but really went live only in 31st of jan 23 is to allow for a really, really thorough level, not just of development, but also consultation, involvement, participation. We we had a, I'll give you a, for example, we had a a, a kickoff for creating our, what we're calling breakthrough culture. So that's the type of culture we want to have as a business uh, everywhere, obviously with some local landing and local nuance. Um, we hosted some events this this week to kickstart that. I hosted an event uh, here in Sydney, actually, uh, on the, the, the 22nd. And the work that had gone into that had been evolved from hundreds of essentials from all around the region. Lots of participation, so not just top-down, but participation from, you know, throughout the business, different roles, different disciplines, all three markets here in Australia, for example, different levels of seniority, just to understand what, honestly, what what the talent of today, what are people in the organisation today, the environment in which they want to operate, the culture that they want to build with us, 
And so we kick-started this process and we've got all sorts of tools and, and toolkits, if you like, and, and other things coming online to help articulate that, develop it and land it. It's a, it, you know, it's going to be a journey. We're bringing together two businesses, but critically to Sophie's point, we're creating something new. And it's, I think that, that there's real excitement about it from people actually. Kind of, I think, uh, you know, that full engagement, full participation gives us a terrific opportunity to, to create something new. You know, we're really, really excited about it. And I think by, by setting up as something new, you can remove some of those legacy things. I think both, both businesses, their entry points are different. And you know, I often say, I did a town hall here uh, when I was last in, in the city in, uh, in December. I, I worked for Mediacom for seven years. I'm, I'm intensely proud of what the team at Mediacom did. But that's one of the foundations for what we're creating is new, right? And I think it's that sort of mindset that people are bringing into this. Uh, so I think we've been mindful of the challenges, but I like to think by being really inclusive in what we're doing, yeah. that we're creating something fresh and people are okay with that. One big part of that is creating this proposition, which is the breakthrough agency, Rupert, you mentioned it there. Um, you often talk about how an agency takes itself to market. Sophie, can you tell us a little bit about breakthrough? What what does that actually mean and how how will you actually deliver, I guess, what breakthrough means and breakthrough results for clients as opposed to, you know, what you were doing previously? So the positioning of the agency, as I said, was very consultative. Um, it was developed over a period of about nine months. Um, and it's born from the fact that we're now operating in what we're calling the new comms economy. It's basically what that means is, is our understanding, obviously, that technology has completely changed the way in which we connect with each other and with brands. And recognising that the more things change, the more the agency models of the past and the present don't necessarily stand for the models of the future. So with that beautiful constraint, we need to now break through um, in this new communications economy. So um, what that actually means, though, in terms of what breakthrough is, well, the way that we, we, we've landed it locally is all about it, it means innovation today that becomes what we're saying, the BAU of tomorrow. So it's important that breakthrough isn't just a one-off marketing stunt, you know, a sexy bit of outdoor. I mean, we'd all love those. But fundamentally, breakthrough is bigger than that. It's about how we're changing the marketing model on behalf of our, our clients um, moving forward. Um, and we've got some examples of that because we have been kind of working in the background on this the, the last kind of nine months. I mean, breakthrough can happen all different parts of the you know the marketing model it can it can actually be the way in which we operate with clients so for example the coca-cola company last year obviously um essence mediacom now working with um, wpp and the open x model that is truly breakthrough in terms of, of an operating model but from a client work perspective i've got a couple of examples to share with you um our you know award-winning whiskers cats in boxes campaign whilst it seems like a kind of marketing one-off, actually the learning from it is around how we are rethinking how we do retail media. So e-com is very transactional, very rational, 
but in the Whiskers Cats in Boxes campaign, what we demonstrated to Mars is actually you can create an emotional connection, a meaningful connection in the e-com space. And that is the breakthrough that we're now striving for on all Mars e-com campaigns. With eBay, for example, we're now thinking about entertainment and how we can make entertainment more shoppable, not just as a, as a marketing breakthrough, but as a commerce breakthrough for them as well. So that's the type of thing that we're doing with our clients and our processes and our capabilities are now set up to not just think about innovation as one-off marketing stunts, but around wholesale change in the, the way that we go to market for clients. Rupert, this, this might seem like a bit of a, a, a cheekily worded question, but if there is a new communications economy, are we going to see, I guess, updates to the other brands in the Group M stable in order to play in that economy as well? Or is it a case of they offer different things for different clients? Well, I, I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of my, you know, my esteemed colleagues uh, in the other agencies. What, what we're trying to do, obviously, is you know really create something new and different. I, I, I think I'll be very transparent. Uh, based on some of the feedback I'm getting around town, around the market from our competitors, there's a lot of interest in what we're doing, right? Because I think we're we're the only agency at scale that now has this sort of one-stop shop capability and capacity uh, here in Australia and, 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 and in the, the, the wider region and beyond. So let's see, you know, every agency has their, their, their positioning and their narrative. We're at, right now, we're, we're just focused on ours. But I guess what does that do when you're, you're, when you're in a group and you've got, as you say, a one-stop shop? Does that kind of mean you don't need the other two? Look, I mean, we're we're incredibly fortunate to be part of Group M, you know, Group M, which is, you know, obviously leading in so many parts of our business across the world, our industry across the world. And, you know, I think from a, you know, from a group point of view, it's brilliant to have, you know, multiple strong agencies. How we leverage, you know, it'd be like the platform operations that the group's developing, um, you know, will be pretty consistent, but how we go to market, what we sort of build on top of that in our agency ecosystem as Essence Mediacom, that, that, that for me is the differentiator. Obviously, you know, our, our friends in the other agencies in the group have, have their own take on that. Um, but I mean, the simple truth is, you know, Group M is strong when all three agencies are strong and, and vice versa, right? So we all want to um, contribute to that that greater good, if you like. Sophie, we've got uh, 15 or almost 16 minutes into this podcast and we have not even mentioned the new CEO, Pippa Berlocker. She is arriving in just over a month. Um, as I kind of mentioned, you've got yourself very well known in market along with some of your colleagues on that leadership team. What do you sort of see your role and your colleagues' role in really supporting Pippa when she arrives, helping take her to market and in turn the brand? Well, we're very fortunate enough to, to with Pippa as well, to be a very, very strong ex-co. You've just talked to, about, about Pippa. Um, I think you've done a, an article on Pippa's strengths that she brings to our ex-co. We've got some exceptional talent. I think with her arriving um, in a couple of months, um, my role particularly about is about working with Matt Scotton, who's our chief product officer, to to really work with her on how we are driving our product 
moving forward. I mean, we've got some fun with a new agency. We've got some fundamental changes to to both our product, our tool suite, our process. And really, this is about the proof is in the pudding, really. We've now got to hit the, the button, the go button in terms of rolling that out and making that an ex- extraordinary success. But but Pippa's focus um, is people. Our whole focus in, as an agency is making sure that our proposition and the way that we're working with our people, um, it, it, you know, it has the proposition has landed and, and that our people are first and foremost in, in everything that we're doing. I mean, one of the things that we're doing that Pippa was aware of is that we're, we're actually working with our people to understand what they bring to, to breakthrough. We recognise that breakthroughs come from diversity of thought and that they, they come from everyone. It's not just the domain of, you know, strategy or, or within trading. And so what we're trying to do is help people personally connect with breakthrough. What's their kind of breakthrough superpower? Um, and that's, you know, something that we we spoke about with Pippa in the interview process. You know, what's her breakthrough superpower? And we've all, as an exco, coming together to, to help bring a different perspective to how we become the breakthrough agency, I guess. Rupert, just changing tack a little bit here. Um, Sophie talks about product. Uh Locally in Australia over the last week, we've seen um, the government put forward an update to the, the Data Privacy Act. How do you sort of see a media agency's role in this modern environment when we have the government increasingly wanting third parties to maybe step back from holding individuals' data? Look, we're seeing, I guess, in increasing regulatory oversight in so many markets on, on data I think as the as consumers, we understand why, um, and I think you know the authorities, regulators take you know slightly different views in different territories. Um, but I think it is one of these you know quite foundational topics where how we how we can obviously respect those local in market regulations. That's absolutely critical for all the obvious reasons. I think the you know how we solve for that varies therefore by market i think the principle is you know respecting those regulatory guidelines you know we need to solve for these things in different ways so how we engage with a client will depend on that regulatory environment it will depend on you know the data assets that they have Uh, it depends on what surrogates we can we can we can create and deploy um I mean, I think it's interesting when you look across the different ecosystems because this regulatory move is, is is not consistently executed in every part of the world. But you know, whether you look at GDPR uh, in Europe and other things like that, it, it, there's a common thread emerging. So I think we're just having super transparent conversations with clients about the implications of those regulations, how we can solve for with a surrogate way uh, to work around. Uh, trying to still answer the questions that we're trying to trying to trying to solve for, I think it sometimes begs some really fundamental questions around, you know, why why would a client need to deploy a certain level of data to have effective advertising? Uh, there's then a question around how how you would do that. So there's no there's no one size fits all answer at the moment, Helen, and it's obviously something that's always in motion. You know, the regulations tend to change. Uh, on, on, on an ongoing basis based on things that are happening in the market. And R- Rupert, maybe stick with you for this one just because you you obviously have oversight over multiple markets. 
in the lead up to the merger, there was a few clients that did leave the agency, some of them for different reasons, including conflicts amongst others. Is this a similar story you've sort of seen across a few markets? Is this to be expected? And then I guess, how long do you give it until you feel like the product is ready to then go to market to to win back some of that business? Sure. So look, I think what, one of the things we've been very lucky with, and I'll talk you know, very macro, regional, global. You know, one of the, one of the brilliant things about forming Essence MediaCom is the client base that we have. We got some extraordinary clients, and I often, uh, you know, talk to our people about, you know, if you were if you're sitting in a coffee shop with a blank sheet of paper, thinking about the agency of the future and the type of client businesses you'd want in your agency, you know what? We're really lucky because we've got this list of clients ranging from Google to MBCU to Mars to Procter to Adidas to Sony to Dell, as well as so many brilliant local clients here in Australia. And one of the reasons that, you know, we're, we feel so optimistic, I think, about Essence MediaCom is there hasn't actually been an enormous amount of conflict, competitive conflict. Um, you know, as we've formed a new company, We've taken a lot of care to be transparent with clients where there has been a, a, a competitive conflict. Often, you know, by having those very transparent discussions, there's a way to solve for it. Uh, you know, we house, you know, hermetically sealed, separated teams. Uh, you know, we have a different office structure, office environment, and so on. Um, and of course, you know, we're very used to in the group managing a whole raft of clients from similar or adjacent sectors. And, the, you know, the governance that we have on that, I think, is second to none. Having said that, you know, it's a moment of transition. Um, you know, we have lost a couple of clients along the way. You have to be transparent about that. Um, and, you know, we're, we're a business that is obsessed with clients. So we feel every loss keenly. But I think, you know, we've been, we've managed it relatively well overall. In terms of your second question, how, how quickly are we going to, you know, start, start fighting back to pick up, pick back up some of those businesses that, that perhaps have, have, have moved away? I, I guess the answer is the same as how we're, we're rolling out our breakthrough approach to, to existing clients, you know, and, and to a degree to prospects, you know, Every client is different, right? Every client has their own specific needs, requirements, challenges that we're, we're working to, to help on. And so rather than this being a one-size-fits-all application of all the product capability and talent that comes with Essence MediaCom, we're looking at it in a very intentional, structured way, I guess as you'd expect, right? Um, so as we're articulating the vision breakthrough, what that means practically here in Australia, for example, as we're looking at the new Essence MediaCom operating system and all the tools and technologies that sit behind that. We're just planning for every client, solving for every brief, if you like. Um, and, you know, I, I would love in a, yeah, I guess, pretty near horizon to start talking to, you know, not just our existing clients, not just prospects. Uh, but also potentially some of those clients that, that, that did move away. So really planned, intentional way. Uh, as I say, I think we've been really fortunate in the stability that we've had overall. 
And part of the reason I think we've been able to get that stability is because we've been very transparent with our customers and we've you know, been really clear on the governance. Just finally, sort of on that, Sophie, Rupert mentioned that client list there. It's probably one that most agencies would, would be enviable of. It's not to be forgotten during this time. Uh, you, your team, Mediacom and the agencies were very well awarded uh, within 2022, in particular the MFA awards. H- how do you sort of see the, the, the market going into 2023? Uh, who, who do you see as, I guess, the competitors? Is it the indies? Is it your, your stable mates? H- how are you seeing things? Oh, it's everyone. Um, we've got to keep our eye on everyone. But I think at the same time, we've got to run our own race because... As we said, we are creating a different agency, <clears throat> a different model. Um, and so we want to be, and we think we are, leaders in where we're going. So I think, you know, you've got the likes of Initiative are doing brilliantly when it comes to both the work, but also culturally. Um, you've got consultants to keep an eye on. You've got some of the indies, you know, We Are Flow did incredibly well in the awards yesterday. So look, the there's everyone, but first and foremost, we're we're running our own race, and our ultimate success will be measured in the type of breakthrough work that you, the industry, can keep us accountable to for in 2023 and beyond, really. And, and I think hopefully um, the awards will continue to show that. I mean, we we've been working in a breakthrough way, even though we've only just launched, really, for the last sort of six to nine months, because we've, we've obviously been working in behind the scenes on this. And as you said, it, it is starting to to show up in our work thank goodness um and we'll continue to do so well look sophie rupert it's been fantastic having you both joining me on the podcast today look forward to seeing the work that comes out of the agency and best of luck thank you callum thanks callum thanks a lot that is all we have time for today. Thanks for listening to the Mumbrella Cast. Please make sure to subscribe if you're liking what you're hearing. Head to mumbrella.com.au to keep on top of the biggest stories in the media marketing industry. And again, have a look at the evening mumbo. See if you like it. Subscribe if you do. Thanks again to Rupert and Sophie. And thanks to Kalila and Demo. Thanks to you Thanks, Casper. Thanks, Cal. See you next week.